All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Drop in the Gloves. Nice Friday episode. Thank you for joining us. It feels like forever since we've done an episode. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're back. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate the support. There's been a lot that's been happening. Tim has been moving around the country. He's in Boston now, staying with the family for the big 4th of July festivities there. I'm still in Traverse City. The draft has gone down. There's been a plethora of trades. There's lots of interesting things to talk about. Tim, are you finally ready to do an episode now? I've been chasing you down for the last two days. Thank you for asking. Yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. Long couple of days driving up. I spent uh, half a day in Gettysburg, which is one of my favorite places to be. And it was great. Long day of driving yesterday, but I'm here. I'm ready. I'm present. Let's talk some hockey. How long of a drive is it, first of all, from North Carolina to Boston? Uh, straight drive, it's like, not counting, obviously, traffic or stops or anything, like 12 hours. Then and I you stopped midway through. Yeah, I made like, a, I spent, like I said, like half a day in Gettysburg. Um, what do you do in Gettysburg? Do you get emotional? <laughs> not emotional, but um, first of all, it's a cool town. Like, it, aside from the history, it's like, it's got a cool town. It's almost a little bit of Traverse City in it, like the shops and the restaurants and a cool, like, center area. And then there's tons of history, obviously. And for me, like a history nerd, there's tons of like just military shops and antique stores and that sort of thing. And then obviously it's surrounded by the battlefield. And that's obviously really, really cool, too. And there's a visitor center. Like it's just it's very, very well done and preserved and very like family friendly. You don't have to be a history buff to get a lot out of out of the the whole area, really. Um, And so, yeah, I love it. I go by all the time. And that's where. The Vietnamese attacked the Vietnam War was there? Yeah, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Yeah, oh, you probably love that. You're so Tim. We got a lot of negative feedback about your allegiances to a certain regime. So let's not go down that street again. This is you talk about people who don't understand your sarcasm. This is probably someone's first episode who's gonna stop listening because he thinks I have allegiances to Germany. Tim's a big Nazi guy. Third Reich. No, no jokes, John. They're the, they're the bad guys. There was um, last week, I missed it by a week, the anniversary, the 160th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. And so like thousands of people had come through. So the town was pretty quiet now, but it would have been cool to catch some of that. So the Gap Battle of Gettysburg, and I, I am being a little naive. It was 
north south correct it was the first and primarily only time that robert e lee and the confederate army of northern virginia invaded the united states including basically pennsylvania and it was the northernmost battle in the war and it could have gone either way three-day battle fifty thousand casualties and I, I posted this on instagram like it's just incredible stories and people should know the names of the union generals who saved the country because Ulysses it, S. Grant. He wasn't there. He was still out out west in Tennessee. Mm. Actually, he was in Vicksburg, Mississippi, because they the Gettysburg battle ended July third, major victory for the Union. And then July fourth, the very next day, they took Vicksburg, which is a major Confederate stronghold con- controlling the Mississippi River. And so that two days basically turned the tide of the war. One of my favorite movies is The Patriot with Mel Maybe. Gibson. Yeah, such a good movie. Just watched it like last week, two weeks ago. So good. It's important to me that you know that that was the Revolutionary War and not the Civil War. Yeah. Okay. I do know that. You, you That's probably why said Glory. North South. Glory is a great uh, Civil War movie with Denzel. That's with Denzel Washington. Yeah. I've never seen that one. It's a good one. I'm a big Denzel fan, though. I like him. You know, did I ever tell you my brother was in a Denzel movie? No, he was in the Equalizer. Got to play one of the Russian mob, you know, gun goons or whatever. How much did he get paid for that? Not much. He was an extra, and I think he got paid like a hundred bucks, and they fed him three meals that day, and he got to meet some of the famous people. It's fun. I did that one show on CBS called SWAT. I don't know if it's still a show anymore. It's Shamar Moore and a couple other guys. Anyways, I played. Bobby Stock or Strock or Davy Strock or something. I still get a check every two months from the uh, SAG after. So every time they play that show, I'll get a cut of it, like 0.1% of it goes to me because I was a main part of that episode. So if someone buys it, whatever, streaming, and I'll play a game with my kids, like, okay, who's going to win the check? And they they guess to the dollar amount how much it is. And initially, it was it was a lot. Like, they were hundreds of dollars. A couple were a thousand. Now it's, like, gone down to the point where some of these checks are, like, 39 cents. <laughs> so it's it's funny to see them guess. They, they still throw out the odd $20, $25 one, but still getting a little. Then I, it just makes me think how much, like, Jerry Seinfeld's getting for Seinfeld. Friends, like the royalties after that, it's incredible. What's that? The show Friends. I forget the exact numbers, but it was like they were getting paid like two hundred fifty an episode in season one, and they're getting paid like ten million per episode in the last one. Like it's crazy. But even just the royalties after the fact, ever I don't. That's how it typically works: is they get a percentage of every episode that's played going forward. So they get a check every month. Those guys for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they haven't done a thing. So they could just coast into retirement just based off of that it's amazing like just doing one season i kind of did the math if i were to do every episode there's one episode a week they do like 25 30 and i was a main character of that show like a shamar Moore. i'm getting like fifty thousand dollars a year minimum just based on those royalties like it's there's so much money in that crap it's unbelievable you know where else there's money tim the nhl a lot Especially lately, especially for a certain player named Pierre-Luc Dubois. But before we get into that, the NHL draft happened in Nashville, Tennessee. Love that city. Made my all-star game debut there in 2016. First, but not last. First, but well, there's still time. Very big success. Won the MVP and a car and a big check. 
and just shoved it up Batman's Yahoo. What happened at the draft, Tim? You got some stats that are pretty encouraging for the NHL. Yeah, Gray Stein, after a very disappointing Stanley Cup final where viewership was way down, viewership was way up for draft night, especially the first night. About 681,000 viewers. Last year, it was 457. So that's a 49% increase. But what's crazy is that last year's number was the record. Like that was more than they'd ever had. And then they went up a huge spike this year. So um, I think they said during the NBC contract, the average was about 400,000. So you got to wonder what the reason is behind it. Is it just Bedard? Is it just like the hype around him? Is it all the trades that have been going on? Is it Nashville? Like, what do you, what do you point to? Well, I think they give a prime time, you know, time. Like it's right there. The draft used to be kind of an afterthought. The NFL is putting a lot of time and effort into the draft. Same with the NBA. They're making it a marquee event and the NHL is following suit. Rightfully so. And people are watching. And yes, Connor Bedard, much like we'll see throughout the season, that guy, he draws eyes to the game. He really does. We saw it during the World Juniors. Everybody watched that. It was You wouldn't want to miss that game. And we're going to see it next year when he steps on the ice with the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks were a forgettable team last year. They were a forgettable team the year before. Nobody watched them. Their national TV viewership went from seven, eight, nine, ten times a game or ten times a year they were on the national stage. Last year, I think it was once. So next year, they're going to be 10 times on the national stage. And it's because of Connor Bedard. People want to see this guy play. They're going to fill the seats. And it's only because of him, right? And he, he moves the needle. He is the new Connor McDavid. I don't know his personality. He seems to be pretty close to the vest so far with his interviews. Very humble. Very just grateful for everything. I like that. I want to get to know him a little bit. Is was he a- funny? Is he reserved? Go ahead. There was a cool moment um, after the pick. I mean, obviously everyone knew who he was going first, but the the schedule was released and they're playing Pittsburgh in the first game. So he gets to face against Crosby in his debut, which is obviously a dream come true for a kid like him. And he was asked about it and he said um, he was like avoiding the schedule because he didn't want to put the cart before the horse. But he said, like, if I if I make the team that that debut would be pretty special. He's still thinking in those terms, which is pretty good. That's that's a humble kid. He's going to make the team like you have to say that I get it. But listen, you're making the team your first line and you already have your line mates like Chicago has been very active the last few weeks. You have your line mates. It's very excited what they're doing. Let's move on. What else happened during the draft? Tim? We had some surprises, not not a lot of trades. I think it was the first time in a long time where there was zero trades at the draft. All 32 teams that had their picks going into the draft stuck with those picks. So what do we talk about? There was some surprises. Some players dropped that we didn't expect to drop. Well, Fantilli, who was number two, basically consensus, and he would have been number one in a lot of drafts in the last 10 years, went third. He went third. Um, And so he ended up in Columbus. And I saw a tweet, I think Wyshynski tweeted this out, where Columbus um, wanted their, their 1C in Ryan Johansson, you know, 10 years ago. Didn't work out. They wanted Pierre-Luc Dubois to be that guy. Obviously didn't work out. And the same time that they trade him, they, they pick up Fantilli and his, he probably will be the guy. So there's some kind of a hockey, I don't know, come around there. Um, but the next the next big surprise, Montreal with the fifth pick took David Reinbacker, who was ranked about 10, depending on which, which ranking you looked at. He was a top-ranked D-man. And here's the issue. He's Swiss, and he has reportedly gotten thousands, thousands of hate messages from Canadians fans. Um, to the point where the team's talking about potentially not bringing him to North America. 
to camp or anything like that, which I don't know if, they, if that would really be true or not, but that's what the rumor is right now. And I get the frustrations of the fans. They want their franchise forward. They want their guy and they've had, I'm going to actually show you a couple of these. Let's go back in the last 10, 15 years or so. Montreal's first round picks. Okay. 2009, the 18th pick, Louis LeBanc. 2010, 22nd pick, Jared Tenorti. 2011, 17th pick, Nathan Bellew. 2012, number three pick, lottery pick, Alex Galchenyuk. 13, 25, Michael McCarron. Never heard of him. 14, 26, Nikita Sherback. Never heard of him. 2015, 26, Noah Juleson. 2016, number nine, top 10, Mikhail Sergachev. (laughs) <laughs> you know, 2017, 25, Ryan Poling. 2018, number three, lottery pick, Jasperi Kakaniemi, who's gone. 2019, 15, Cole Caulfield, good pick. 2020, 16, Caden Gould. 2021, Logan Malu, who's all kinds of asterisks around that guy. And last year, Slavkovsky with the first overall pick. And they're not thrilled with it. They're, and they're not thrilled with Slavkovsky. And so like, okay, we have the fifth pick. Mishkev is falling. They want this guy and they pick up a defenseman who they're not happy about. So I get their frustration, but don't take it on the kid. He has nothing to do with it. Their biggest need is on the back end. Um, that's obvious. Last year, they struggled. They don't have really a number one overall defenseman. David Savard maybe fills that spot right now. They're very, very weak on the back end. That being said, typically when it's that high of a pick, you pick the best player on the board. And, you know, with all due respect to David Reinbacher, you're you're not it. It's Matt V. Matt Mikov. I don't know how to say it. Matt V. Mikov, whatever. It's him. The guy was a consensus number three pick, maybe number two supplanted Fantilli. But it's it's a swing and a miss. It's a really bad pick for Kent Hughes. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to play the long game. There's a few question marks surrounding the Russian forward. When is he going to come over? There's just issues there. He went for the safer pick with a big defenseman. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He doesn't make mistakes in the first pass out of the zone. He's a strong defender. He puts up decent amount of the points. He's a good defenseman. The fans want a sexy pick. They want something that's going to move the needle. They want something that they can go home and say, this guy's going to be a difference maker. He's the number five overall pick. Like this guy's going to, you know, excite us. This defenseman pick doesn't excite anybody. But to just to throw like negative comments at the kid, it's not his fault he got drafted. You know, he's at the draft. He has no decision on where he goes. Why are you throwing him negative comments and throwing him all these, not death threats, but just like pump the brakes. You really think he's going to want to come in and play for Montreal after all those negative comments? No, it's, it's too much. I get the passionate fans. I understand that I played in Montreal for one game. I felt the love. I stepped on the ice. I started the game against Yarmory Auger. Fans went nuts. You know, it, it was a nice feeling, but it can also have the negative effect where they don't like you and they get on you or they don't like the decision. And then they turn on you and it's just like, Oh boy. Like that, that's not the good side of Montreal you want to see. So give the kid a chance. He's a great player. He's a great, great player. The sad thing is, is now he will be compared to that Russian forward going forward to Montreal for his whole career. Fans have a long memory there in Montreal, much like the Drew and Sergachev trade. They still think about that. It still sings them every time they see Sergachev. The guy's an all-star caliber defenseman and Drew Ann is Drew Ann. It is what it is. So yeah. Kent Hughes made a mistake. You should have drafted that Russian forward. Matt 
I'm going to butcher that name, Mikheyev, Matviev, whatever. But you don't take it on a Reinbacher. He's a good defenseman. He'll be a solid 3-4 guy for you for the next 15 years. Like, that's the type of player he is. He's not going to be running your power play. He's not going to be the run-and-gun type defenseman that is known in the NHL these days. But he is a solid player who will play 22 minutes, put him on your penalty kill. He makes a good first pass, and away we go. Like, like Joel Edmondson, who Canadian fans are very familiar with. His his comparable is Adam Larson. That's okay, that's what there you go. That's what's perfect. That's who you described. And I get it. I get the frustration. But yeah, leave the kid alone. This is the same fan base that called nine one one after the Pacioretty hit, and they wanted Char arrested. You know, so that one was Char's. That was rightfully so. That was bad. But anyways, okay. moving on. What else happened to? Yeah, one other surprise in the first round that that really drew people for a loop. And of course, it's the Arizona Coyotes with the very next pick, number six. They take a kid, another defenseman, Simashev. Now, he's a big body, 6'4", covers a lot of ice. He skates well for his size. Um, again, like not a flashy player, but probably a, a shutdown physical stay-at-home defenseman, does the little things well. Not a sexy pick, but the surprise here is that he was ranked 25th, and some, some had him ranked a lot lower. And the fact that he went number six, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I Maybe my, my thinking on this was like, okay, he's not the type of player who's going to out-earn our ability to pay him in three years when he ends his ELC. So we have, we have a better chance of keeping him long-term, unlike all the other kids that go, that leave us, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was scratching my head when I, when I saw this pick, he played in the KHL last year. He was like a seventh defenseman in the KHL. He would average something like six minutes a game. So it's not like he saw big minutes versus men in a professional hockey league. He's big. I get it. He's six, four. He's probably going to fill out to two twenty five, two thirty. It seems to me the Coyotes are just trying to beef up on the back end. They lost Chitrin. They want that size back. Last year, they drafted Maverick Lamoureux, 6'6", you know, 220, another big guy. He was a first rounder. The Coyotes apparently want to just go huge on the back end, which I like. I like tall players. But when you can, Tim, you got the sixth overall pick. There's so many good players that you could have added. And you just pass up uh, again, going back to Matt V. Matt Mikov. God, that's a, how do you say the name? Mishkov. That's the last name. How do you say his first name? Matt V. Yeah. Matt V. Mishkov. Matt V. Mitchkov. How do you pass on this kid? I don't understand it. Yes. I get, I get the question marks. How long is he going to stay in Russia? 25, 26 is that's his contract right now with St. Petersburg, but come on, you guys like just like draft him. The guy's like a clone of Kaprizov. It's it's very frustrating. But anyways, back to the Coyotes. It, it's not a good pick. And I'm not going to bag on him. Maybe there is another play here. They they see something that we don't see. I, I doubt they have a ton of European scouts that are seeing things in this guy that other scouts aren't seeing. I don't think they invest too much money in that side of the game. But I don't know. It's just maybe they they know that they can't sign one of these top five forwards to a long-term deal once they hit that bridge time, but it's unfortunate. Montreal and Arizona went into this with the, with the chance to draft a game changer. Mick have slid. You know, Fantilli was drafted. Arlson was drafted. Bedard was drafted. Mick have was there sitting on a platter for these guys. The Sharks went with Will Smith, the U.S.-born kid. He's a good player. Uh, just it's, it's swing and a miss. It's a big opportunity to draft a player who is going to be a superstar, potentially. There's not many of those players in the draft every single year. This year, there's probably three. There was him, there was Fanatilli, and there was Bedard. 
those are the three kids who could potentially turn out to be superstars in my eyes right now. It's early, but even even the Ducks letting Fanatilli go, I don't understand it. Him and Carlson are very similar, except Fanatilli has elite upside in the offensive end. Elite, Tim. This guy's a finisher. He's an absolute sniper. And they pass him up for Carlson, who's a, who's a great player, don't get me wrong. Did very well in the Swedish Elite League last year. But he, I, don't, I don't understand GMs. I just really don't. That's why I'm not a GM. These guys know more than I do, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Fanatilli is your lock-in 1C for the next 10 years if you, if you play your cards right. And Anaheim does have the players to surround him with. McTavish, Zegras, good young forwards that can really build this franchise and, and jumpstart it. But no, we're going to go with a Swede who's very good, but he's maybe he's more responsible on the defensive end. Is that where we're drafting the second overall pick? You want him to de- defensively responsible? No. All right. What else? I saw a stat the other day that only two first overall picks have ever been nominated for the Selkie. It was Mike Madonna <laughs> and, um, and this year, Nico Heischer. So doesn't happen very I, often. Is that a badge of, is that a good thing if you're nominated for the Selkie? Cause it usually means you're not producing on the offensive end for the most part. No, it doesn't. That's a good win in every year. And get 100 he points. is the outlier. He is <laughs> yeah. the only outlier. You think McDavid's going to be a Selkie nominee one of these days? Well, when you said, I mean, I, when I have the puck on my tape, they're not scoring. So that's pretty yeah. defensive, right? Do you think you think Kucherov? It, it's a great quote from Lemieux. It really is. But there's a reason the Hart Trophy guys never win the Selkie, typically. All right, moving on. Let's let's move on to some trades, Tim. The draft was fun. It was exciting. Good job, Nashville. They put on a pretty good show. The trades. Let's get down to it. Let's start in Chicago with Connor Bedard. Yeah, so the first trade they did was from Boston um, to Chicago. They Boston dumped Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno to Chicago. Salary dumped. Two minor league players going the other way. Foligno immediately signs a $4 million extension. And all of a sudden, Chicago gets two pretty good players. And Hall, obviously, will, will get a shot playing first line with Bedard. For Boston, this is a pure salary dump. They need to get some money off the books. Particularly Hall, who's making, I think, $6 million. And... We still, Boston, we still have more to do just to just to sign to make an NHL roster. We still have more dumps to do. This had this didn't really have anything to do with Bertuzzi, who we we're going to talk about, or necessarily Allmark. This was just about getting money off the books. So good for Chicago to get a couple good players for basically nothing. What's wrong with Boston? What is going on with this? This is more about Boston being inept in their salary cap navigation. It's not. And Chicago taking advantage of a bad situation. This is a great trade by the Chicago Blackhawks. Taylor Hall is a very good player, Tim. This guy is still able to put up a point per game. And now he gets to slide in alongside Connor Bedard, which is another great, great, great acquisition by Chicago. Kyle Davidson nailed this. You get a former number one overall pick who has just been through the ringer. This guy was put into such a high-pressure situation with Edmonton. He just... All of the negative media that came along with that. He gets traded to New Jersey, another high-pressure situation. The guy's been through the ringer his whole career. He's won an MVP. He's produced when he's needed to. Then he gets to go in to now be a mentor to Connor Bedard. This is a masterclass by Kyle Davidson, in my opinion. You see a situation, a vulnerable team that needs to shed cap. You see a very good player in Taylor Hall, and you take advantage of it. And the good thing for the Chicago Blackhawks, they have so much cap space that he's able to go out 
and take advantage of these situations. We saw it a few years back when we realized the salary cap wasn't going to raise teams trying to shed cap and it's still happening. They get Taylor halt him for two years at $6 million. This is, this is a steal of a deal. This guy is going to put up 60, 70 points this year. In my opinion, he's a former MVP in this league, rightfully so. He only put up 93 points that season. It was a, it was a low season, but he's a hell of a left winger to throw alongside Connor Bedard. And he's been there, done that. So I love this move. All the Hawks are trying to do this season is spend to the bottom of the cap, give Connor Bedard some players to play with, and then we regroup next year because we're losing everybody off the books. Everybody. When you look at the Blackhawks, the only guy they have signed longer than three years is Seth Jones. After that, everybody's off the books next year. It's remarkable. They're losing Felino, Perry, Dickinson, Blackwell, Gutman, Entweasel, Janssen, all these guys. So they're they're literally building this team around Connor Bedard, and they should because this guy's a phenomenal player. They're giving him some veterans to play with this year, and that Taylor Hall trade is insane. I loved it. I think this guy is going to re-sign in Chicago after the 24-25 season, and he's going to ride shotgun with Bedard for the next three, four, five years. I know he's 31, but man, love I I love this trade. And more back to the Bruins. They are in a bad spot, Tim. I'm sorry. They've already said Dmitry Olov isn't coming back. Bertuzzi right now looks like he's going to dip his toes in the free agency water. What What is going on with Boston? Is this team going to be a shell of its former self next year? This is the best regular season team of all time, Tim. They set the record for points. And now the, nobody's coming back. Nobody wants to come back. What What is going on? What is Don Sweeney doing over there in Boston? Well, so much of it is just because of how all in they went last year. Not only with the draft picks, but the the um, the overage and the and the penalty the penalty they're carrying this year. And so they've got something like nine million dollars in space or eleven million dollars in space with eight players to sign to just to get to twenty three. Like it's not. It, there's going to be more. You're going to lose probably an Allmark, potentially a buyout of Riley, a Forbird, a Grizzly. Like one of these guys is going to be gone too. Just just to ru- build an NHL roster, just to have enough guys. Now they're not going to be terrible. Like when you've got McAvoy, when you've got Marshawn, when you've got Coyle, Pasternak, when you've got one of the two goalies or both, whatever they end up doing, like you're still a good team. You're probably not the top of the of your division anymore. But this is still this is still going to be a solid team. It's not going to be my one of my questions too is like okay, most likely it looks like Bergeron and Krejci aren't coming back, and then you also lose Hall and Felino, and Felino especially was a was a very big part of the leadership and the and the vocal locker room presence. And so you're losing the, those, you're losing Bergeron, Krejci. There's a gap there too. Not to say that McAvoy and Marchand and Pasta or Coyle, whatever those guys can't do it, but there's still a gap. It'll still be a thing. So this could look like a lot different, a very different team this coming year. They're not bringing back Bertuzzi. Garnet Hathaway's gone. Thomas Nozick's gone. They're they're going to be missing potentially three to four of their top two lines players. Basically half the roster. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not looking good for the Bruins. They went all in last year and they almost won the cup. But they didn't. All right, moving on. What stick else is going Hawks. down? Chicago yeah, so Blackhawks. They... Yeah, let's let's stick with them. I'll I'll handle this one, Tim. You just wallow in your tears with the Bruins. I mentioned they picked up some veterans. Very smart move. They signed Felino to a $4 million extension. High. That's that's a big number. You know, he made $2 million last year. He's a big extension. They picked up Corey Perry from the Tampa Bay Lightning for a seventh rounder. And then they signed him to a $4 million extension as well. Both those guys drastically overpaid. 
but I think that's what you have to do if you want to sign a veteran guy to play on a team that is not going anywhere. So they're sell right now to those two guys. Hey, Nick, hey, Corey, we're going to give you a ton of money. We're going to stink, but maybe you can play with Bedard. Maybe. That's, that's, that's the sales pitch right there. We're going to give you double what you're going to get on the open market. One year, Chicago is a great city. Have some fun. Play with Bedard. You get to practice with him. The guy's a phenomenal player. That, that's the pitch because these guys are drastically overpaid. They have no business making $4 million, either of them. They're in the 1-5 range right now in their career. Corey Perry's 38 years old. He's should be retired, maybe. And then Nick Foligno, Tim, he he had his moments last year, but it's not a $4 million play. But yeah, I like the moves. It's just a veteran presence in the locker room. These guys are Stanley Cup champions. Well, Corey Perry is. Nick Foligno's not. They just bring that mentality to the locker room. They're going to get in. They're going to do the work. And Connor Bedard is going to have some people to look up to. Perry and Felino are going to be Connor Bedard's uncles this year. That's how it's going to be. Like they're they're going to look after him, and then even Taylor Hall to just kind of take him under his wing a little bit and help him navigate the pressures of being a first overall pick in, for a rebuilding franchise. Like there's a lot of just expertise that Bedard can draw from. So yeah, I, lo- I love these pickups. They're great. And good on good again. Kyle Davidson. He knows his situation. Chicago is not. Why do you smile every time I say that name? I was just remembering the video of him being interviewed. Uh, that's pretty yeah, funny. That's funny. Which which podcaster or interviewer would have noticed Kyle Davidson in that situation? Not many. Not many. I wouldn't have. I would have just thought he was some Joe Schmo. On like, it's just give the guy a break. All right, moving on. Another trade. Tampa Bay Lightning make it another deal. Traded Ross Colton to the Colorado Avalanche for a second round pick. Good, bad. What do you think of this trade, Tim? Solid pickup for Colorado, probably a fair value. Um, Tampa's just trying to clear some cap space. Colorado, again, takes advantage of that, just like with Johansson. So they're they're looking better this year than they were last year. Gosh, there's going to be a shift in the East. I, I feel like the teams that have been very, very good for a long time, the Bruins, the Lightning, those types of teams, even the Leafs, they are going to start to struggle a little bit. This salary cap crunch, these players are not getting any younger. You're going to see a seismic shift. You're going to see the Devils improving in the East. You're going to see the Rangers, I think, making a jump in the East. You're going to see these types of teams overtaking the perennial favorites, the Lightning, the Leafs, the Bruins. It's it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen next year. Kucherov is not getting any younger. Braden Point's coming off a major injury this offseason. Steven Stamkos is not getting any younger. It, it's happening, Tim. It's happening right now, but that's the price you pay for Stanley Cup championships, right? All right, moving on. The big trade that everybody talked about. Everybody was wondering, where's Pierre-Luc Dubois going to go? We want to know. He wants to go back to Montreal because he's a French kid and he wants to go back home and play in front of his hometown fans. Not so fast. Pierre-Luc Dubois gets traded to the LA Kings. A huge trade. LA gave up a ton like an absolute boatload of talent for Pierre-Luc Dubois. They signed him to a huge deal, eight years, $68 million. Good for him. That's a lot of do-re-me for that kid. He hasn't, I like him. Everybody knows how I feel about Pierre-Luc Dubois. What did you think of this trade, Tim? Who wins it? Tell me. I mean, it has to be Winnipeg, right? Because you you weren't keeping him anyway. You get a lot for him. And... (sighs) Dubois is just one of those players who seems to be, be he's carries baggage with him wherever he goes. And so now you sign him, you get, you trade a few, a few good roster players and a second round pick for from LA. And then you bring in Dubois and you sign him for eight years at 8.1 or whatever. Is it 
I mean, this is a huge contract. Is it an overstatement to say that this could make or break their next eight years, whether he lives up to it or not? That's a lot Absolutely. of money to commit to one player. Absolutely. And I don't want to downplay how good Pierre-Luc Dubois is. He's a very good player. He had a career year last year. He's a big body. You can chalk him in one C. That's the type of player he is. Gabe Velarde is no slouch himself. I feel like the LA Kings gave up too much of their prospects to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. Where does Dubois slot in for the LA Kings? They already have Kopitar. They already have Philip Deneau. Does Dubois play second second line center? Does he play first line center? Does he drop down to third line center to play with Arvidsson and, and Fiala? What, where does he slot in in the lineup? I feel like LA had a nice balance down the middle, and they just threw it all away because they saw Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he's a good player. When You have to look at your roster and look at where your weaknesses lie. I don't think LA was weak down the middle. I think Winnipeg just fleeced Rob Blake in this trade. Gabe Velarde is the same player as Pierre-Luc Dubois at this point in his career. He's two years younger. They were drafted around the same time in the first round. I think I think Pierre-Luc Dubois was like third overall. Gabe Velarde, I want to say, was like 10 or 11. Gabe Velarde last year scored 23 goals, Tim. 23 goals, playing on an L.A. team where he's playing behind Philip Deneau and uh, Kopitar. He's going to get second second line minutes now with the Winnipeg Jets. He's going to be able to go out there and play in the second line power play. It wouldn't surprise me this year, Gabe Velarde puts up 30, 35 goals. And Pierre-Luc Dubois puts up 20, 25 goals. And the best player in this trade ends up being Gabriel Velarde. That's, that's how I could see this shaking out. I feel like the LA Kings gave up way too much. And then Alex I follow is a great player. They pretty much traded second line to the Winnipeg Jets. That's how this trade went down. Velarde and Ayafalo are very, very good. I, I, I am applauding Kevin Dayoff. The guy usually doesn't make the big moves. He's very just, just secondary moves, you know, third line, fourth line guys. He, he doesn't want to risk the biscuit most of the time. He doesn't make big splashes. This is a big splash, and he nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. So we'll see how it shakes out. But to give Dubois that much money for the history that he has, you have to because you gave up so much capital to get him. But man, oh man, right now as it stands, Winnipeg dominated this trade in my eyes. Dubois has been around longer than I realized. I thought he was like, you know, three, four years. He's played six seasons in the NHL. Yep. And and you've seen his best last year, technically, but but still maybe a 70-point pace in a full season. Like he's... About a 60-point player, 27, 28 goals. Like that's that's his max so far. And he did it last year in 73 games, so maybe add a little bit to that. But is that is that one C eight million dollars? I know he kind of he's a big body, he can do everything. You're hoping that he gets better, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. It'll make LA a better team. Don't get me wrong. Dubois is a great player. It will it get them over the hump? Will they be able to beat the LA or uh, the Edmonton Oilers because of this? Not a chance. This doesn't this doesn't move them that much closer to the Stanley Cup. If anything, they need to add more pieces now because they lost two very valuable pieces on their team last year. Velarde and Iafalo were some nights the best line on the ice for the LA Kings. And they just traded them away. And a second rounder and Kupari. I don't know much about him, but was he active player last year, Tim? I don't know anything about him, but good for, good for Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. They needed a win. They absolutely needed to win after last season. They're gonna. There's more work to be done with that roster. We'll see what happens with, with um, Hellebuck, but it's a good start for the Winnipeg Jets this offseason. What else, Tim? A couple more. 
Yeah, a couple more small ones here. Finally, Kyler Yamamoto and Kim Clauston were traded from Edmonton to Detroit for future considerations. Small salary dump there, and Edmonton's finally gets these guys off their roster. I like this. You know, you had to pay to get rid of Yamamoto. Kim Clauston was a good player last year. Some people thought he was one of the better players for Edmonton in the playoffs. He's a big body. He makes some room. I know he's a fourth liner, but he's going to get some a couple more minutes in Detroit. I like it. And Yamamoto is... He's a little water bug. Yeah, he makes a lot of money, but man, do you, I like this move for Detroit. Again, another team sensing a weakness with, with a higher-end team who needs some money and some help on the, the salary cap situation. They take advantage of it. Good for Steve Eisman. Both of these players will play big roles for Detroit next year. I, I like this move. I love that the shrewd negotiations being done by these, these GMs. Kyle Davidson, Steve Eisman. Oh, Fantastic. All right. What else, Tim? Stanley Cup champion got traded. <clears throat> yeah. Riley Smith was traded to the Penguins for a third rounder. And so cool, cool thing for Riley Smith. The last goal he scored for Vegas was the Stanley Cup clinching game winning goal. So he gets to go out on top winning the cup and Pittsburgh picks up a pretty solid, maybe what do you call him? Top six, second line winger um, who I think he's, he's exactly the kind of player that's going to have a really good season connecting with Crosby. Like he's exactly who he's picked up his entire career. So I could see him having a solid year coming up. Yep, Riley Smith makes $5 million. Barbashev signed for $5 million. They needed some space, so they had to trade Riley Smith. He was one of the original guys in the expansion draft. Good for him. He's going to Pittsburgh, gets to play with Crosby and those guys. He'll do well. He's a good player. But this was more so to do with the fact that they wanted to keep Ivan Barbashev. Guy's a stud. He, he lit it up. Everybody knows how he lit it up in the playoffs. Nobody called that except for me. It, um, it's a good move for both teams. Again, they get a third rounder for him. Not a bad return. All right. Couple more. One more quick hit, Tim. Or a couple more. What do you want to do? Yeah. Couple so more. there are some more, I would say, substantial free agency signings, extensions. So the Devils and Timo Meyer agreed to an eight year deal worth $8.8 million AAV, another big chunk of money. He's now their highest paid forward. So before we talk about anything else, what was your reaction to that deal? Um,. <laughs> It's so skewed because of the playoffs, right? You, you you just look at what have you done for me lately with the Timo Meyer. We traded for you at the deadline. You didn't do anything in the playoffs. You got two goals and two assists in eleven games. <clears throat> we 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 needed more out of you in the playoffs. But when you look at what he's done in the regular season, the guy's a point per game guy. Like he is an absolute stud. He's a moose. He's the type of player you want in New Jersey. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. The cap's not going to go up at all this year. It's looking like it's not going to go up at all next year. 8.8 is a lot. It's a lot of money for this guy, but that's the going price. He would have got it if he, if he went to the market, you know? So it's a good deal. It makes Jack Hughes' deal look so much better. That guy is going to regret. He signed at 8 million until 2930, Tim. It's crazy. But yeah. It's it's a good deal for New Jersey. You you have to sign him for what you gave up for him at the deadline. So this team's dangerous. Yeah, especially when you look at the players and and how affordable they all are. So Jack Hughes making eight. You got Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer. They traded for Tyler Toffoli last week as well. Dawson Mercer. None of these guys are making too much money. Like if eight point eight is the most, and some of these guys are making like Toffoli's making four point two five coming up. Dawson Mercer still on his ELC, but these guys. It just seems like it's a matter of time before they win the cup. When you talk about like the, the the turning of the tide and the old guard, this is the team I look at that's coming up and 
not just the talent, but the but the cap situation and the way they've handled their money just speaks really well of their ability to, as they have a good season, go add the best guy at the trade deadline because they're going to have the cap room to do it. And that's what winning championships looks like. So really, really cool there. Let's just pop the brakes on the Stanley Cup talk just yet, but they'll be there. Yes. They'll be there. What do you shake your head at? What, what, which part do you want me to punch, pump my brakes on? You're going to punch me? <laughs> just relax, Tim. It's your deal. You go to Boston and you get all physical. Is Did it just being in that area? Is it just like being in the south side that gets you all aggressive? Yeah, you wouldn't get it. If you haven't been here, you know, it's a tough area. It's if... I were to grow up in the South Side, South Shore. I would have, I would have dominated that whole area. That's how, that's how tough St. Catharines was growing up. All right, moving on. But just touching on the Devils, I do think they are a Stanley Cup contender right now. I was just giving you a hard time. They, they with the addition of Toffoli, re-signing Timo Meyer, this is a very, very, very good team. But again, what's their goaltending situation look like? Is Vitek Vanacek their guy? You had to have Schmid come in and spell him. They need to figure out the back end. As much as I downplay how important goalies are, you still need someone who's going to stop the puck on a regular basis. So is Vanacek that guy? You're paying him $5 million bucks, So you're paying him like he's that guy. Or sorry, 3.4. So we'll see how that shakes out. They just have a... Their offense is lights out now. Their first two lines, I would stack up against anybody in the league. You got Meyer, Heeshire, and Mercer, Brat, Hughes, and Toffoli. That's dangerous. There's no weakness anywhere, left, right, center. Like they're great, great players. And that slides Palat down to the third line. It's a very solid lineup the Devils have put together. All right, last one. No, two more. The Bruins. Yeah, so Tyler Bertuzzi is likely to hit the open market tomorrow. Free agency starts, which we got we got to hype up. Don Sweeney made clear it's unlikely he's going to sign any of his free UFAs, which we knew Orlov and Hathaway were gone. But Bertuzzi, like the the, re, the rationale behind getting rid of Taylor Hall was like, okay, now Bertuzzi's our guy. It's very possible we don't bring him back either. I think if we do, we're going to have to dump somebody else. And even if we don't, we're still going to have to dump somebody else just to build a roster. So it's it's very easy to see the Bruins not bringing him back, which would make this thing even worse. Yeah, it's, it's a huge swing and a miss. This team wanted the cup. Now they're not going to bring anybody back. There's breaking news right now. The Winnipeg Jets are not done making moves. Like I said, they are waiving Blake Wheeler today. They're buying wow. out his contract, $8.25 million. He will hit the open market tomorrow. So that's another big free agent, right-wing centerman who's going to hit the market. This guy still has some gas left in the tank. He's 36 years old. And if you think he's not motivated... <laughs> Loses a C last year, gets bought out this year. This guy's going to want revenge in a bad way. So keep an eye on where he goes. He is still a really good player who can put the puck in the net and is very, very serviceable, especially if he's going to get that bump from Shevel Day off. I think of the buyout, he's probably going to get $5 million next year. He's going to sign for $1 million. He's going to be a bargain. He is going to be an assassin for a Stanley Cup contending team to go out and pick him up. The guy put up 55 points last year. He's still got it. This is a big move by the Winnipeg Jets to let, let him go. I meant to tell you, too, um, I saw a tweet like like right after the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, trade went through in the signing. Someone tweeted out, I am, I'm hearing reports that Dubois has requested a trade from L.A. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that is funny. The last one here is a rumor here, but the Panthers are reportedly actively shopping Anthony Duclair, who's entering the final year of his contract, another solid you know, maybe middle six forward with some pop on his game. So he could be a, a good pickup for somebody too. Again, just salary cap implication. 
Florida needs some room. They have a lot of UFAs. They got a lot of issues on their back end. They they need to figure out the goaltending situation. There's a lot of unknowns there. And when you got a guy like Anthony Duclair who makes $3 million and is not in your top two lines, maybe he kind of drifts in and out. He's got an injury history. Shop him around. Maybe his value is pretty high. He got a good playoffs for them. So <laughs> if you're, we'll if you're him. a GM looking for a bargain winger who could maybe out earn his contract, are you looking at Duclair or um, uh, Connor Garland? Well, Garland makes quite a bit more than Duclair. I think Garland makes six, I want to say. And Duclair only makes three. So I would probably go with Duclair. Yeah. Yeah. Connor. Connor makes too much money. I'd be kicking the tires on a Blake Wheeler first, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go after Anthony Duclair. All right. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, happy fourth. You doing anything? No, not at all. Okay. Going to be moving my shed and cutting some wood and splitting it. It's going to be very exciting. What about you? Any updates on, um, the, the lawn, the, the, the septic people people don't want to hear about it. the septic works great i just run my taps all night long because i'm so happy it just goes right down it's fantastic nothing's backing up we're we're on hold right now with the the playground for the kids it's on back order from costco so we're waiting for that to clear up then once that's in i'm going to start on the deck on the uh storage unit so yeah there's a lot going on and i probably won't do any of it i'm all talk no walk it's just it's just a lot happening but anyways Have fun, everybody. Go out, have some uh, hot dogs and cotton candy for the 4th of July. We'll talk to you guys probably, Tim. When can we get you again for another episode? Maybe Monday? I'm around Monday. Yeah, we had to recap the first couple of days of free agency. Big big day tomorrow. It's a very nerve-wracking time for players. You have no idea. But all right, everybody. Have a good one. We'll talk to you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.